All right, well, good morning. It's uh, good to see you all out here. If you have your Bibles, you can open to First Peter. That's where we will uh, continue to be for a little while. Now, now uh, if any of you remember the movie Pollyanna, anybody ever heard of that? They're probably going to remake it at some point. They remake everything. Um, but from that movie, this positive little girl that had such an impact on um, all the people around her, they uh, coined it this phenomenon in this study called the Pollyanna Hypothesis. And the hypothesis was that positive words, positive thinking can impact your physical being and health and can actually change your outlook on life. Just hearing positive words, positive thoughts. Uh, they went and re- went back and did a study in the last two years of it, looking at uh, five million individual human scores, and they concluded that um, words, which are the atoms of human language, present an emotional spectrum with a universal positive bias. So pretty much it's comes down to this. It says this, citing research findings um, from studies in various medical areas, um, the way in which we believe and expectation and cardinal components of hope can even block a little bit of pain in our lives, can even actual pain, can be uh, a version almost of morphine blocking some of the pain that comes into our bodies. That is the power of hope in life. Hope is all around us. And what do you set your hope in? Where do we place our hopes? If your hopes are in a a team or a job or a workplace, or maybe your hopes are in a relationship, and then they get let down, and and it doesn't work out, and your hopes are dashed, or you're upset, or, or your whole mood's based on something that you hope will happen. And oftentimes, when it comes to being offended by somebody, we can get offended by somebody if their hopes and I hopes don't get met. Then I'm offended because it didn't live up to my expectation. And so placing our hope in the right place, on the right thing, in the right focus, makes a big difference if we're going to be a people that we say are really unoffendable. Um, Author... A famous author, Emily Dickinson, says, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tunes without words and never stops at all. Another author says, Hope begins in the dark, the stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do the right thing, dawn is coming. Don't give up. Dawn is coming. So I wonder, entering into 2020, if you'd have a scale of 1 to 10... Where would you put your hope on that hope meter today? (laughs) Scale of 1 to 10. Where does your hope lie? How do you feel? How hopeful are you right now? You see, hope matters a lot. Whether science and DNA back it up or not, hope makes a difference in our lives. It's embedded in our DNA as human beings to find things to hope in. Because we're made with a soul. And the soul longs for and dreams of hope and looks for hope. Looks for that light at the end of the tunnel. Looks for then when you're in the darkness that dawn is going to come. A hope, just, just a ray of hope to get through the moments that are tough. 
It's a key ingredient to life. And yet, where we place our hope and where we go for hope relates, relates directly to the choices we make, to the reactions we have, and the circumstances in our lives. And so last week when we launched this idea of this unoffendable series through the book of First Peter, Peter writing to this dispersion of exiles. He's calling them exiles because they're spread out, but also because we are not in our heavenly home yet. Our home is heaven. And uh, it's almost as if he's writing to us, and it's applied to so many periods in history what he writes to believers uh, because it's a common thing that we go through as we walk through this world to see hope put on trial, to see hope and wonder, oh man, where's our country headed? Where is my neighbor headed? Where are my relationships headed? Why am I treated like this for being a believer? And their fear begins to creep in. You see, Peter is laying a foundation. He's not going to be telling us exactly what to do. He's telling us who we are and who God is. And when he does that, this amazing foundation he lays, he begins to give us a way that we can see hope. Because the hope of the scriptures is quite a bit different than the hope that the world offers. And so, we're starting in verse 3 of chapter 1 today, and it says this, after he gives his greeting and, and talks about the role of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in our lives, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This statement here, if you're to see all the inflections in the original language and how it was to come across, it is a bold proclamation of praise. It, it, it is just an overwhelming statement of worshiping God. In the Old Testament, the phrase would have been Baruch Adonai. It's a call to worship. Come and worship. He's saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you ever just, when you're reading the scriptures, and uh, I used to just read them as I grew up in the faith, and I used to just read the scriptures and dissect them and try and understand them and the content and the context, and then I'd be like, how does this apply to me? What do I need to do? What is the correct way to read this and understand this and apply this? And now, more often, I read things about God, like this statement here, and it says, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And it just, do you ever just stop and worship God when you're reading the scriptures on your own and just stop and be like, wow, God, you're amazing. Thank you for how wonderful you are. I can't believe you had mercy on me. That I can be born again. And I know, I look in the mirror, I know who I am. I know my struggles. I can't believe, Lord, that you love me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. Just worshiping and praising him. We are born again of the Holy Spirit. We've gone from death for eternity to life. Stop and celebrate that. When you read the scriptures, allow them to move from your head and your hands into your heart. Take time just to worship over God. As he walks through this, uh, he begins to outline hope. And there are many definitions of hope in the world. Um, 
And I, I would say this. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for future things to happen. That's, that's a pretty good broad definition of hope. It's, a, it's that understanding and expectation that, that I hope these things are going to happen. I believe they're going to happen. It's a forward-thinking word, really. It's a word of expectation, a word of anticipation. It's what you're looking forward to. It's what you're waiting for. But um, it doesn't just happen. It's not guaranteed always, is it, what you hope in. And yet the hope Peter speaks of, you're going to see, is a different kind and different quality than the hope that the world speaks of. So we're going to see it's a different kind and different quality than what the world talks about. And we're going to walk through and see what kind of hope this is that he's laying out. It's a new kind of hope because we're born again because of the great mercy of God. And this new birth is a new hope that moves us away from a hope in money, in government, in work, in relationships, in friendships, in security, in peace. It's a hope based on the fact that we have received mercy from God. So how does he describe this? Well, the first description we have here is of its kind. And uh, the first description we see is the kind of hope that we have. And this kind of hope is going to be living hope. See, we use the word living hope because... Jesus isn't dead. He died and rose again. If Jesus is living and our hope is in Jesus, then our hope is living. That's what it says here. We have a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise again, then where would our hope be? Paul says in another scripture, we would be fools. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're wasting our time. And so living hope is hoping because we believe and actively believe that Jesus Christ is alive. And this living hope then is confident. It's confident and eager expectation of the life to come. Hope that we too will overcome death and be with Jesus Christ forever in eternity. Do we believe that? That's the main hope of the Christian life, isn't it? That Jesus died for our sins, they're covered, we're forgiven, and that we, like him, will be raised from the grave. Our souls are going to be with him for eternity. When he returns, he'll raise us up, and we will be one with the Lord. It'll be a glorious time. That's what we look forward to. That's what the scriptures point to, is the return of Jesus. See, unlike the hope in this world, it's not momentary or temporary, and it doesn't stay the same. It's an active hope. It's living and active. And then if it's living and active, we're going to see it grows and increases in strength. And Peter's going to show us how that happens. And it's going to be important that we come back to this. This is the foundation of all he writes. The foundation of hope. That It's the reason we have these memory verses we're going to talk about. Is that We're going to have to understand this and come back and reapply it and, and come back and revisit it. And remind ourselves of the hope that we need. And so the next thing we read here is in verse 4. It says, uh, we've been born again through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance 
that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we see that this hope that we have is not only a living hope, but it's also a lasting hope. Tell me a product you can buy somebody that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We don't make anything like that in the world, do we? Everything breaks down. Even, even gold has its flaws, or even diamonds have their ratings of purity and impurity. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is unfading. And in the end, we're the ones that are perishable, so we can't take anything with us, can we? None of the worldly possessions last forever. Lasting hope does. The inheritance we have in heaven to look forward to is perfect. It'll last for eternity and we'll never get bored of it and put it back in the box and say, ah, man, that gift I got for Christmas, it was awesome for six days and now I'm done with it. But this gift from the Lord keeps on giving and it never changes. We never go weary of it, and it never fails to bless us. It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. You see, there's something else about that. You say, well, if it's something like that, then um, you know what? I would like to make sure that I have it. I'd like to make sure that it goes well. I'd like to make sure I can't lose it. When we get something that valuable, what do we want to do? We want to cling to it, protect it. Well, what it says here is that God is keeping it. It is God himself. Through God's power, it's being kept in heaven for you. It is God that protects our inheritance and God that guarantees it. God is in control. We can trust him with our hope. You know, I have a friend uh, up in Wyoming, and, and um, they live right by the river, and they had a beautiful home, and, and in it he had a gun safe. And in that he got like the best of the best gun safes. It was super thick and supposed to withstand fire up to a certain amount of heat and protect everything he had in it. He had it sealed and locked, and then just a mile and a half away at the, the local dump, a fire started and got out of control. It came over the hill began to move towards these homes, and they were able, nobody was hurt, they were evacuated, they came back, and everything was a pile of ash, including that safe. It disintegrated in the heat of the fire, and all the things in it. It didn't last. It wasn't guarded. The best thing money could buy. It didn't make it. And he, the believer, he follows the Lord and a guy I've known for a long time. And, and uh, for him, it was a reminder. He said, yeah, this is a reminder. Everything is perishable here. Now, I can't really, as best I try, I can't guard. Even with the best thing I could have purchased, I couldn't guard our most valuable possessions. They're all gone, reduced to ashes. You see, We can't get a lock box, a fireproof box to protect anything, but God has guaranteed an inheritance and a hope for you. His power never fails. It never lets you down. It's not up to us to keep hope alive. 
It's not us, up to us to protect heaven or even to win the war or to win the argument with someone because God has got it under control. We can be confident in him. And guess what? A lot of towns are wondering if they're going to have a parade on February 2nd or after that. God's parade is already planned and in the books because the victory is already guaranteed. And the reason we're living out and striving towards hope in this world is to get more and more and more people to attend and say, come on, there's something better for you. We want you to be at that parade when Jesus returns at that celebration. You don't want to be on the wrong side of it. Come and listen and see a hope. A hope that is living and lasting. A hope that is guarded by the one who rose from the grave. You see, it is here where I love Peter because he, he doesn't just stay in this world of like looking forward and, and painting this picture that's beautiful and poetic and, and wonderful about hope. He comes right back in and just gets into our daily lives. And he says, listen, I know you don't feel hopeful. I know it's hard. He says this. He says this in verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now in your daily life for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, now he's going to talk to us about the quality. It's this quality, it's lasting, it's guarded, and it's tested. It's a tested hope. It's not just some wistful thing, well, we're just religious happy people. It's tested. It's tested when you face the worst circumstances. When you look out your window and it's dark and you don't know when the dawn is coming. When you don't feel hope. When you wonder if God even hears your prayers. It is tested. Tested hope. That's a unique picture of Christian hope. It's that we can choose joy in the midst of pain and suffering and struggle. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, Behold, now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants, we commend ourselves in every way. And now he's going to describe to you his life as a missionary, as a church planter, as a servant of God. He says this, By great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. He went through all of those things. Then he switches the coin and he says, But also by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness in in our right hand and in our left, through honor and dishonor, slander and praise, we are treated as imposters, and yet we're sharing the truth, as unknown, and yet we are well known, as dying, and yet behold, we live, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, 
in the Lord as having nothing and yet possessing everything. How can he say that? How can he say that we are beaten down, we had nothing, we were hungry, and yet we have everything, and we rejoice, and we sang in the prisons? Because he has hope. That's what hope looks like. Christian hope, hope of, that comes from Jesus Christ, is a hope that walks alongside you through the good times and the bad times. It's there. It's a rock to cling to, and it's something to look forward to and to celebrate when things are going well. And to be thankful that you're getting a taste of heaven when things are going well. It's a hope that we we need. It's a hope that pushes through the worst that the world has to offer. And here in this little passage I shared with you, this language is structured in the original language in the Greek that shows it's this continuous side by side. When it says grief and joy, it's saying they're happening, happening continually at the same time. That's why we know joy is not a synonym for happy. It's not just a feeling. It's a perspective. It's a choice that flows from hope. As we read earlier in Romans together, it says that we make choices, and choices lead to hope. And so Peter uses a small phrase here, a small phrase to lift up our heads. Did you catch that small phrase? Though now for a little while. Though now for a little while, he says, remember, this life is but a blip when you think of that line of eternity. So no matter what you're going through, if it's months, some people have years or a lifetime of pain, chronic pain, disease, suffering. Ultimately, it's for a little while. That's why some of the greatest testimonies I've ever seen are are by people who suffer Joni Erickson Tata and then Coach Wiedemann we had. He was in a wheelchair. He came out to Hawaii and visited us. And they, they just exuded this hope. And you're like, it feels so bad. I'm like, I'm doing well. And yet you have more hope than me because they live daily realizing that this is momentary suffering compared in light of eternity with God. So he's saying, lift your head up. Keep your head up. That's a song, uh, one of the songs we frequent on our little rides to school is uh, Lift Your Head Up by Toby Mac. Some of you know Toby Mac, he's been around. I knew him from DC Talk back in the day. He's a Christian artist, has lots of songs on the radio. And one of the songs he wrote to encourage his son was to lift your head, lift your head up, keep your eyes up to where your help comes from, from that psalm. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Unfortunately, his son's life is gone now. At 21 years of age, he took his life. And, and he just released a song this week uh, about that. Uh, the very hope and sharing his hope, even in the midst of that horrible tragedy. And this is where it strikes me and hits close to home because um, being a, a former teacher and having kids in school and looking around at the last decade and reflecting that our city was one of the, the top cities in the United States for teen suicide. And at the root of it, talking with officers who were on scene or with families after these tragedies and talking in the schools with teachers and administrators who dealt with them, at the root of it is a moment where a child feels they don't have hope and they can't lift up their head. 
And there's no one there to tell him, lift up your head, the dawn is coming. Jesus is real, this is temporary. But in our culture and in the social media, things can pile up so quick that that seems like an easy way out. But it's final. So we need to be beacons of hope. To look up in the midst of trials and say, the pain is real, what you're feeling is real, but there's hope. There's a glimmer of hope. You can get through the night. You can get through this. The dawn is coming. There is someone who loves you, who shows great mercy to you. And no matter what you've done or who you think you are, he knows who you are. He created you. He loves you. He has a hope that's living and lasting. It's being guarded. And yes, when it's tested, it comes through. It won't let you down. Dawn is coming. Peter's saying, listen, dawn is coming. And we remain here, and we're not there yet. And James declares that we're even to consider it pure joy when our faith is tested. Why is our hope tested? Well, gold is tested by fire, and we're watching an old show, and these people thought they found gold. They struck gold, so they had to take it into town secretly, and then get the chunk of gold tested, and they put it under the fire to see how pure it was. They came out 98%, and they gave them that block of gold back with that seal on it that says, it's worth it. You are now rich. And when our faith, whenever it's tested, it purifies our hearts. It makes us more like Christ. It can withstand the fire. Our hope can withstand the fire. It can come through. And as we'll see next week, it can come through. And we are purified over and over and made more and more like Christ, more and more holy when we walk through the things of life. Our hope doesn't stay the same. It gets tested. And whenever it's tested, our hope deepens. It doesn't get weaker when we turn back to the Lord and we continue to trust in him and we allow the things to life to shape us. Our hope deepens and we discover that God is who he says he is and that God is indeed enough. He is enough. God is enough. Jesus' death was enough. We don't have to earn God's favor. It's It's imperishable, it's undefiled and unfading, his favor and his love for us because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And so once again, our hope looks ahead and Peter points us out to us, the praise and glory goes to Jesus. We are presented for Jesus as his bride, undefiled. And it's a resulting in the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ when we just say, it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because of Jesus I'm forgiven. Once again, we can trust in him. And it's not about us, is it? It's about him. That's one of the greatest things that gets in our way is we think everything in this world is about us. But it's about God because he's bigger than us. And that's really good news when we understand it. And Peter He's just so honest. Uh, Jesus is the one uh, that he loved. And he said, I'm never going to leave you when I'm tested. <laughs> I'm going to be the one right by your side all the time. And he was pretty confident in that. Then what happened? Fires came. He ran and hid. And he denied Jesus three times. And he watched him murdered on the cross. 
Jesus rises up, comes back and finds Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He totally restores him. He says, you're going to do great things. Because you came through that test. And you've been forgiven and restored. And I'm going to use you to proclaim the gospel to the world. And Peter here goes on and then he says this. He says, you know, I saw Jesus after he rose. But he says, though you, you, even speaking to us, we don't see Jesus, but you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we have a trusted hope. We trust in Jesus Christ. We trust in the gospel. And we have a lot of facts and truths that can, we can lean on and point to that say, odds are he rose from the grave. We know Jesus is a real person. We know what he really believed about himself. And yet in the end, do we put our faith in him? Do we trust in him? Do we believe in him? I mean, gravity sitting in the chairs right now, you're trusting that they're going to hold you up. A few Sundays they haven't, but we got rid of those. Okay? Well, there are a lot of things we trust in in life. We, we know the wind. We can see it blowing, but we can't quite touch it or grasp it. There's a lot of truths. We look throughout history and we trust that these figures lived and we learn from the impact of historical events. You see, Jesus is still alive, but he's not physically present with us, and yet we know that his Holy Spirit is in us. This is the miracle of the new birth. Is that we believe. And that we're redeemed. That we become more and more like Christ. And that leads us to love and believe. And to rejoice. With this inexpressible glory filled with joy. And so this living hope that we have. Is a growing hope. It's not just stagnant. As you become more and more like Christ and you walk through more and more life, your hope is to grow. And there'll be times where it's tested and you don't feel it's growing and you've got to get through the moment, but God is at work in you. That's why we sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We don't trust in our works, our consistency, our blessings, our circumstances, but we trust in the finished work of Christ. Now, often in our home, or occasionally, we'll have the debate on who is the greatest superhero of all time. And then you can divide it up into different categories and different authors and genres. And yet, um, what, what do you think makes a great superhero? Is it Batman or Spider-Man or Superman or Iron Man or Thor? Or, you know... A lot of people say, well, Superman was the original because he's the coolest because, what? He was bulletproof. It just bounced off him. It's one of the coolest superpowers there is, right? And, and that's really what being undefendable is. It's, you're bulletproof. When you have hope, you're going to get hurt, but the bullets aren't going to kill you. They're going to bounce down, and you're going to be sad that people are shooting at you probably. Like, Why are you shooting at me? But... Um, our hope is bulletproof. It's our hearts that need the help. <laughs> See, nothing can shake our destiny. Nothing can touch it. 
We've looked at that today. We believe it. We know it's true. And yet our hearts need help to get through this world. And that's why, why Peter writes this and encourages us. And one of the things that we're encouraged to do and the, way, the ways we can help our hearts is to get more of that hope in it. Instead of to take those verses in the back and to memorize them or to have them nearby somewhere you can grab and maybe your family's having a rough week and you just pick one out and read it to them and remind them. And maybe you need to stop and pray more or get in community where you're around other believers during the week, not just on Sundays, so people can say, Don is coming. Lift your head up, Don is coming. Hang in there. Not that they say, get up your bootstraps, just obey Jesus, and you'll, you'll feel less depressed. No. They say, Don is coming. Jesus is there. He cares about you. He's going to heal your heart. It's going to take time, but I'm going to be there because that's what we do. Life on mission is with God. We're not doing things for God. We're doing life with God. Now this text is one of my favorites in all of scripture, and I think I've preached it a few times already here in our young life at Incline Church. Um, But it's this depth within it this morning. The goal is for you to see and understand and embrace the superior kind and quality of living hope that God offers. There's nothing in this world that anyone can do to me that will ever touch my inheritance, my position in God's family, my future. And as I allow God to work in my heart, more and more I'm finding that my joy cannot be stolen if I fight for it. And that's what frees me up to respond differently to everybody around me. And differently when people come after me. Or differently when I'm just frustrated with the world or with myself. And so as we look at this, my prayer for you, my hope is that we'll be drenched with this idea of living hope. And so when I think of drenched, I think of being soaked and I think of, you know, that's the Broncos. Because <coughs> they I'm do pretty good. So yeah, I have this this morning, and so I was thinking of these uh, times where you have in life where, if I can open that without getting things everywhere, uh, where you have in life and you just get to be drenched, and you get to be covered and just soaking with hope. Have you ever seen anybody that they're just soaking with hope? You know, I just want to take it and, and just take it here and just pour it out on you. But see, that's uh, the world. The world, their hope is momentary. You pour out, and it's empty, and it's on the coach. And guess what? The next year, you're back at the same level with everybody else. But the Lord's hope is like this: bucket never gets empty, and it just pours, and we can soak in it and let it pour and seep in us. And when people see it, and when you're drenched, they know you're drenched. They're like, "How's that hope covering them in the midst of this?" They shouldn't be hopeful. They should be complaining. They have the right to complain. But Jesus drenches our lives with living hope if we allow him to and if we pursue it. And that's our prayer for you all in 2020. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's your great mercy that we are born again. Not only are we born again, but we're born again to a new hope, a different hope than the world has to offer. A hope that is living and active. 
that is guarded, that is lasting beyond anything the world has to offer, a hope that stands the test, and a hope that grows in us. We get more hopeful as we trust in you and we grow. Even in our least hope-filled moments, you're at work showing us you're real, and we can come out of them on the other side as gold tested and refined, looking more and more beautiful because we reflect more and more of your Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know where everyone's at in this room this morning if you need hope. May the Holy Spirit fill your heart with that hope and let you